Welcome to the Brain People Podcast, a show where four mental health experts team up to bring you practical tools for overcoming mental health challenges. The Brain People don't replace your doctor or therapist, but we will give you some extra tools to help you on your journey. So join us as we fight mental illness, one episode at a time. Welcome to the Brain People Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Daniel Bynus. I'm a psychiatrist, and I'm joined today by my co-host... Dr. Katie Elson. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist. So today is part two of our series... It's part two of two (laughs) of our series on core beliefs. And in our first episode, we talked about what core beliefs are. We talked about the importance of core beliefs and how they are developed. So Dr. Katie, could you just give us a brief recap of of that uh, for uh, our memories? And then we're gonna dive into today, something super exciting, which is how the five steps of how we can actually change our core beliefs. Yes, so to start with the basic, um, the what they are, they are deeply held rigid beliefs that we have about ourselves, about others, about the world, the future, and of God. And these core beliefs um, are shaped primarily in childhood, but also through repeated experiences and then traumatic experiences that can also happen in adulthood. And so if you think about roots, right, roots that form over time, then are what determine the branches and the fruit of the tree. Um, and there's a quote that says something along the lines of, if you want to change the invisible, if you want to change the visible, you must change the invisible. If you mm. want to change the fruits, you have to change the roots. And so that's the idea behind um, what we're talking about is the importance of identifying these beliefs if they're the ones that are actually the cause of our difficulties and behaviors, thoughts and emotions. And so if we can identify and change those, then we have longer term change, right? Effective long-term change. Yeah, and so we can see how it's such an important thing to understand uh, that this can really affect the way that we live and perceive reality and our beliefs about the world, our beliefs about relationships, our beliefs about ourselves, our beliefs about God really form how we live and exist in this world. Mm-hmm. So we use the analogy of sunglasses, right? And how if we're wearing a certain type of sunglasses, a certain tint, we'll see the whole world in that way. It'll shape everything that we do. And then we also mentioned how you will then look for things to confirm your core belief and it can grow over time. Um, Also, one other quote that I really love that I forgot to mention um, is from Gandhi. Your beliefs become your thoughts. Your thoughts become your words. Your words become your actions. Your actions become your habits. Your habits become your values. Your values become your destiny. Mm. So this not only shows the impact of our core beliefs on our thoughts, our emotions, and so forth, but I really like that he highlights destiny because it's not just about feeling better. I think for some people that, you know, they come in and they say, oh, I want, I just want to feel better. But our goal for our patients are really to um, improve their life and their well-being with their character, right? With their destiny, how they live life, you know, here, but also, you know, in their future. So um, it is extremely important to um, identify our core beliefs and and to change them so that we can live um an abundant life. Absolutely, I love that. And it really has a lot to do with, uh, like you said, not just feeling better in the moment or even 
doing better right now my, with myself, but that has a tremendous impact on my future. And will I actually reach the purpose of who mm -hmm. I was meant to become, who yeah. I was created to be, mm -hmm. right? And some of these core beliefs can be what we might call limiting beliefs, mm -hmm. where it really kind of puts a ceiling on mm -hmm. our ability to go beyond mm -hmm. uh, where and, and and reach that high level that God has in mind mm -hmm. for us. Yeah. So I know here at Beautiful Minds, especially with coaching, we emphasize, you know, the revive and survive and other elements and the thrive component. But mm -hmm. right? we can't thrive without a healthy view of ourselves, about others, the world and of God. It's impossible. Yeah. And, and one thing that I was thinking about, too, when you're talking about how we look for evidence often to confirm our pre pre-held beliefs is that sometimes I've also caught myself or uh, caught patients or other people in that we will actually make choices and behave in ways that mm -hmm. will confirm certain mm -hmm. core beliefs. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, for example, if if somebody has this, this belief that people are just not going to be there for me mm -hmm. and they don't really care about me. Maybe we've been neglected, you know, in childhood. Um, so now it's really hard for me to go and, and ask for help. Right. Mm -hmm. But maybe I'm like, okay, but I really need help. Like I need a ride to the airport. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I muster, muster up the courage to go and ask uh, somebody, an acquaintance, um, because maybe I don't have a lot of close friends because I have this view. Right. Mm -hmm. So then I'm like, okay, I'm going to go ask Bob. And so I'm like, Hey, Bob, um, could you give me a ride to the airport? And Bob, pulls out his cell phone. He's like, yeah, let, let me just uh, check my calendar uh, to see if that's going to work for me. And then I'm like, if I already believe that Bob's probably going to shut me down and mm -hmm. not be there for me, then I'm going to probably jump all over that and be like, you know what? Don't, don't worry about it, mm -hmm. Bob. I, I'll, I'll find another way. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not a big deal. I know you're super busy. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting because I'm thinking about that scenario and like in that scenario, I'm actually behaving in such a way to mm -hmm. confirm yep. I'm sabotaging what could have been mm -hmm. a good relationship. Maybe Bob would have been like, hey, um, yeah, you know, and, and it could have been the start of a friendship, right? Mm -hmm. Him taking me to the airport. But because I already had this belief that mm -hmm. people aren't going to be there for me, I acted in such a way to that set the stage to confirm that belief. Exactly. I see that all the time with romantic relationships of they were, it was really valid that in their childhood they were abandoned or they were rejected and hurt. And then there's a healthy potential for a relationship. And what do they do? They sabotage it, right? Because it doesn't fit with their core belief. Therefore, they exclude it, right? And sometimes that's the opportunity that I often see God is presenting to actually heal those core beliefs. Mm. And yeah, we can definitely engage in self-sabotage in order to maintain the security, the false security of a core belief. Yeah, so this is important, super important for all of our lives. So let's get into these five ways mm -hmm. of, or these five steps that we need to take to actually change these core beliefs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so step one, we already started to talk a little bit about it, is identification, right? You can't change what you don't know of, or you can't you know, find a 
solution to a problem if you don't define the problem. So identification of your core beliefs are really important. Um, so that can be done in many ways. Um, sometimes by just looking at, at a list or hearing the examples that we gave, I'm sure that there's some listeners that are like, oh, I can definitely relate to that. Sometimes very early on in therapy, you know, I kind of walk through certain things and they're like, oh, I, I'm not good enough. Oh, I know, like I sometimes say it, but we don't always say it in that language. So some people are like, no, that's not my core belief. But it takes some time, but sometimes just looking at examples and seeing what resonates, kind of what strikes a chord with me. If, if I say, oh, um, you know, an option is I'm worthless. Do you react at all to that? Like oh, I, I think I might believe that, right? So just kind of looking through some examples might be helpful. Um, another way to identify is looking at the top of the tree, right? We talked about how behaviors, thoughts, or emotions, looking at those um, patterns can sometimes help. So in therapy, what I often do that's really helpful for me as a therapist to help them is to get all of their thought records and to put them together and find patterns. Mm. So I had a, a client where, all of her thought records were related to mostly, I would say the vast majority was related to conflict with people, hmm. conflict with people at the store, conflict with people at the uh, at church, different places. And we, I was like, okay, I now know it's in the people category. And then as we started to explore, another way of identifying is looking at the soil. Like what were her childhood experiences like that, impacted maybe the way that she views people. And for her specifically, um, her parents were immigrants to the country and they taught her repeatedly, be careful. People are going to take advantage of you. You have mm. to be on your own. And so that started to form what we then identified as people are untrustworthy, right? So looking at patterns, including with thought records, to be able to piece together uh, what is my view? Is it in the self category? Is it with God? And sometimes it's a combination, of course, um, but it can start helping you brainstorm. Yeah, kind of looking at like, okay, so if I have these thoughts and these experiences and there's these patterns that I'm starting to see, like where where is that kind of coming from? And then mm -hmm. looking back to yeah the childhood or what have you and understanding more the core belief where it came from and what mm -hmm. that actually is. Yeah. Now, thought records are also helpful for what we call the downward arrow technique. Have you used this before? I've heard of it, but I I don't think I've ever actually used it. Okay. So the downward arrow technique, I love to use it, is very simple, is we take the situation. So we might have the ABCs, right? Um, let me give an example that it might be easiest to kind of walk through. So uh, the situation here is Sarah didn't invite me to the party. B, my thoughts, uh, I don't think Sarah likes me. C, the emotions of you know sadness, disappointment. And we could just simply reframe the thought. What would be a good reframe thought in that moment? Well, even if Sarah doesn't like me, that doesn't mean that uh, other people don't like me. Or maybe she just forgot or something else mm -hmm. came up. I don't know automatically that she doesn't like me just because mm -hmm. I wasn't invited. Yeah. So you notice that there's an automatic thought. Sarah doesn't like me. That's jumping to conclusions. And we could reframe it in the moment. But the question is, why did I jump to that conclusion? There's some sort of mm. core belief underneath. And so the downward arrow technique is just questions we can ask ourselves to start peeling off the layers of the onion to get to the core. So you could ask yourself, what's so bad about that? Right. 
If that's true, what's so bad about it? And then the next thought might be, whenever I get close to people, they end up disliking me. Mm. It's like, oh, if it's true that she doesn't like me, then, oh, I'm afraid that if, you know, people get close to me, they won't like me. And then you ask again, you keep on peeling back the layers. Well, what does that say about me? Okay, I'll never have a close relationship. And sometimes you're like, oh, that's the core belief. No, not yet. You peel back more. What does that say about me? I'm unlikable. So why she reacted so strongly to this seemingly, you know, simple uh, situation is like people are like, oh, I just don't like to be left out. No, there's something deeper. Her fear, her deep-rooted fear is I'm unlikable. Hmm. That's why she jumped to the conclusion, Sarah doesn't like me because what I really believe about myself is it's nothing to do with Sarah, is that I'm unlikable. Hmm. So if we wanted to practice this downward arrow technique on ourselves, like are there specific questions that we should generally ask ourselves or because you you ask several questions kind of to <laughs> get there uh, or, or does it change based on kind of the situation? Yeah. So the i think the most common question you can ask yourself if you really if you realize it's something related to you is what does it say about me okay. and you just keep on asking that until you start getting closer and closer mm -hmm. to an i am statement mm. so you notice the other ones i'll never have a close relationship okay well what does that say about me mm -hmm. right because it's like oh I that's see. still about relationships and yeah. that is a kind of an intermediate belief right but it's not yet at the core Right. Mm -hmm. You know, and or another question that you could also ask is like, you know, if that's true, like, what does that say about me okay. or what's so bad about it? Um, when it comes to maybe a core belief about others, you could say, what does this mean about others? Mm, right. OK. Um, or if something related to God, what does it say about God? Right. And then you keep on just asking that question over and over again to try to find that I am statement or God is Others are, people are, the world is. Okay. So there's the very kind of general belief about ourselves or about others or about God or about the world. And, mm -hmm. and that's kind of the core, mm -hmm. if you will, and the root where everything else springs yeah. from. And it can even be specific. Like um, I have a lot of clients that go through trauma and then they have a situation and then they peel back the layers and it's men are untrustworthy, mm -hmm. right? So it may not be people and in its entirety, it Got might it. be a group of people, but it it is a general enough belief um, that is yeah generalized to a group or to ourselves or yeah. Okay, yeah, now that makes a lot of sense. So so basically, to identify, we're looking at common thought thought patterns, mm -hmm. uh, behavioral patterns. Of course, um, mm -hmm. we can look at thought records. We can look at. Uh, yeah, this, these repeated sort of situations that continue to come up and kind of form this picture that mm -hmm. really influences our lives and the way we live. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would say what's really important in the identification phase is to have an honest heart. Mm. And I say that because I have a lot of clients when they start to try to identify, it's really scary to say these things out loud. Um, I even have some clients that like refuse to write them down or, you know, to say them because we could say them up here or we could feel them to be true, but it's really icky to verbalize them. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes they're like, no, that's not my core belief. 
And I'm like, okay, it'll take some time for them to warm up to that, but you have to go into it with an open heart. Yeah. Um, I love the verse that says, you know, search me, oh God, right? Know my heart, try my anxious thoughts, see if there's any wicked way in me and then lead me in the way of everlasting. Mm -hmm. To have that disposition of heart to say, you know, if this is really, if core beliefs are so important, if they really should, I have to be willing to look at myself in the mirror, to look at these core beliefs and before the next steps, because you can't change them unless you're willing to acknowledge them. Yeah. I mean, it just seems like without really getting to that core, it seems like this, this step is super important. You really cannot go to these next steps. And I think there's a lot of, of fear that can come up and a lot of defensiveness uh, because mm -hmm. of that fear mm -hmm. uh, that, that comes up because it's hard to see those areas of ourselves that we don't like or are affecting us in a negative way, or mm -hmm. maybe we're ashamed about. Uh, but you know, the, I think the really good news is that God knows all of these things mm -hmm. much better than we do. And he mm -hmm. still loves us mm -hmm. and accepts us. And, and I think that can be tremendously comforting. And I also think like, you know, doing this in the context of like a healthy relationship with a therapist or maybe, mm -hmm. maybe somebody else that, that you trust um, can be tremendous because this can help remind you that, Hey, even though if there's parts of me that, need to be addressed and, and changed for me mm -hmm. to live a better life. It doesn't mean I'm a bad person, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. And then some people are also resistant to looking at them because if it's about people or others, they want to hold on to that, right? Okay. It kind of explains yeah. why I'm angry at people or I can't, and it, and it provides that security for them. And so there's the openness that's needed to look at ourselves, but also openness to be humble enough to recognize I can be wrong um, about others. Yeah. And it could mean potentially that a lot of changes and even though in the net, they'll, they'll be positive changes, but it's still scary to consider mm -hmm. some of those changes. Like, well, if this core belief, um, changes maybe about, you know, my fear of men or what have you, mm -hmm. uh, this actually then means that maybe I'm going to be looking at becoming more friends with some men mm -hmm. or, and that's really yeah. like, whoa, 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 uh -huh. I can't even go there. Right? Yeah. So if you're listening and you're already having that fear, wait till we get to another step that talks about having a healthy, not a positive core belief, but a healthy balanced one. Okay. Well, let's go on to step yeah. number two. Yeah. So the step number two, um, some people may be like, oh, we could just skip it. It's not that important. It's reflection. Um, but it is important because it adds motivation to wanting to change. And so once we identify, okay, I have X, Y, Z core beliefs, then step two is reflecting on where did they come from? And that often helps to also realize that they don't come from me. I don't have to feel, oh, I'm worthless. Oh, how could you think of that about yourself? And they start having some guilt and shame. Mm. And these come from you know, the soil that you grew up in or the trauma and so forth. So it, it's a healthy re realization that you could separate, put some distance between you and the core beliefs. They're not, you don't have to over identify with them and cling to them. Now, how can you avoid becoming maybe bitter or resentful uh, toward, mm -hmm. let's say it did come from your upbringing and, and maybe your mom or your dad, how can you avoid really fostering and festering in that bitterness and resentment? Mm -hmm. Excellent question is realizing they have core beliefs too. And that they, it came from, right. This is the cycle of mental illness and mental, mental health struggles. Mm. Um, and that's where 
we all have the opportunity at some point to try to change. And we don't look at other people for that. We just look at ourselves. So I may not be responsible for, you know, maybe how they started to be created and formed, but I am now responsible of changing that. So others before me, they may have struggled and they may have changed, try to change in different ways. Um, they have their own struggles and um, just recognizing that and having understanding and compassion. So like, for example, if your parents did something to you, it's understanding why, right? Now that already comes from maybe a perspective of people don't generally want to do evil, mm -hmm. right? So there, there's a why, there's an answer behind that. And whether it's parents or teachers or others, oftentimes the, the answer is they struggled, right? Hurt people, hurt people. And then you say, even if they did have bad intentions, is it helpful for me to dwell on that? Yeah. It's not. And Absolutely. it doesn't change. Cause sometimes I think holding onto the anger resentment is like a way to like explain and change how, how we're feeling, but it doesn't change your core beliefs. Mm -hmm. It just keeps you stuck in them. So yeah, kind of justifies yeah. them, right? Yeah. So either have compassion, understanding and realize actually they may have not intended that, or even if they did, it's not helpful to dwell on. Yeah. And it seems like this is, would be a really good place to work on forgiveness. Of course. Yeah. So that you can let go of that. And mm -hmm. I always, when I talk about forgiveness, I always tell people, okay, but remember it, it's not justifying their mm -hmm. behavior, but it's essentially saying, yes, I, 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 I'm admitting that this was very hurtful for me. It was, it was wrong. Uh, someone did, really did wrong me, but I'm letting, choosing to let go of mm -hmm. that resentment and that anger. I'm letting that person free so that I can in turn mm -hmm. be free yeah. myself. Yeah. Too. And reflection is also important because later on, when you start challenging those beliefs um, with disputation is you have to realize, okay, if they came from men are untrustworthy because of this trauma, the next time I interact with a man, that's now fresh on your mind mm -hmm. and you realize, okay, this person is not that person, right? Or that person does fit the profile of this other person, but becomes more specific than this big, huge general belief or that that was my parents that, you know, didn't say that I love you. That doesn't mean that I am unlovable. So mm -hmm. it just starts helping with the disputation process by reflecting and having a context to why you believe what you believe. Well, that makes a lot of sense. So you mentioned the disputing. Why don't we yes. jump into mm -hmm. that? That's the third step, right? Yes. Now, what's so beautiful about CBT is it builds on each other. So a lot of people say, if core beliefs are everything, why don't we just jump in right away? <laughs> and you can't because they're so deep that if let's say you don't have the strength to pull out those roots, then you're not gonna be able to address it. And one key thing of disputation, the, the same skills that are used to dispute your thoughts are the same ones you use to dispute your core beliefs. So the evidence for and evidence against, not jumping to a positive alternative thought, you really need to put your thoughts on trial and give it a fair trial because your brain will only believe what is true. Mm -hmm. Right. And so to dispute and have a new belief, you need to go through. It can be a long process of disputing that. What's the evidence that supports men are untrustworthy? Because that's the part that we we hold on to. But then also, what are some what's evidence that doesn't support that? Mm -hmm. Are there men that I know that are trustworthy? And then we can break it down even further. Well, in what area? Right. So maybe some are, I'd say you can trust some people sometimes with some things. It's mm -hmm. very specific. Mm -hmm. A general belief that they're untrustworthy is not enough 
to help you really discern the different situations and the complexity of individuals. So are, is there a simple way to kind of do that disputation? Because I could see how it could start to get a little complicated. I mean, do people do better with like writing it down or what's the best yes, way to do this? Yes, writing it down always helps, right? For everything. Um, it helps to visualize. Like sometimes I'll have clients, I'll give them a handout or if they do this on their own, you write the core belief at the top and you put two columns, right? Evidence for evidence against, and you start writing it down. So for, I'm not good enough. Okay. What are the things that you're believing? And they start writing down, oh, you know, I never got my master's degree and you know, everyone else in my field has a master's degree. I never, this, I never, this. Okay. Now we'll come back to that. Now they start with evidence against, well, you know, I am good enough because, you know, I accomplished this or this or this. And so you start realizing What's interesting about core beliefs is they're so overgeneralized that the moment you find something contrary is already starting to dispute the belief itself, right? So you find one man that's trustworthy, you can't say men are untrustworthy mm -hmm. anymore. So it already helps with that. But then you go back to the evidence for and say, is that truly evidence? So just because I don't have my master's, does that really mean I'm not good enough, mm. right? Okay. And then you start realizing, no, right? And then you realize you'll end up with, there's some things I'm good at, there's some things I'm not. But ultimately this is the, the fast track answer is that we over-identify with our mistakes or we over-identify people with their mistakes, but we need to separate and separate what they do from who they are. And so you end up saying, there's some things I'm not good at, but it doesn't mean I'm not good enough. Okay, so, and that's a huge differentiating factor, right? Cause there's certain things that, you know, all of us struggle with, mm -hmm. but there's other things that we really are, but it's not this core identity mm -hmm. and it's more an accurate, much more accurate balanced picture yeah. of yeah. who we are. And then that applies to God as well. You say God is vindictive. There's something on your mind, past experiences or scripture or people that have told you certain things about God. Well, you need to give God, same as yourself, others, the world, so forth, a fair trial. You really need to look at evidence, not opinion. Mm -hmm. So you say, okay, well, what does he say about himself, mm -hmm. right? What do I see? Okay, God is unfair. Okay, I can't just say, oh, well, I feel that way. Or because this has happened to me, you look at the full picture and you write down every little thing. And then you say, how do I reconcile that some things, you know, I view as fair, some things I don't. And you need to answer those really tough questions. Oh, that's really helpful. So then what's the next step after we kind of go through this whole like evidence for evidence against we've written all these things down, we see like, okay, there's some evidence support, but then not. And by the way, I, you know, I, I know even for myself, it's easy to discount those things that it, we try to kind of like explain away those mm -hmm. evidences um, that, uh, you know, might dispute our core belief. For example, going back to that whole, you know, men, men are untrustworthy. We might be like, okay, yeah, this, this man seemed like he was kind of trustworthy on the outside, but I'm sure there's mm -hmm. something like, you know, if I really got to know him, mm -hmm. he would do me wrong. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, so anyway, it's, it, it can be a, a challenge, I think, mm -hmm. because it's so easy to discount. Mm -hmm. so. That's why you need the facts, right? Mm -hmm. And evidence. You say, well, I don't know what's on the inside. So let me, you know, is there someone else I know that, you know, is congruent with how they, who they say they, themselves to be? Yeah. yeah. So then what's our next step? So last and final step is adoption. So as, after we start to dispute, we start 
exploring and choosing to, oh, well, there's exploration and then adoption. Okay. <laughs> so exploration is you start exploring what other beliefs um, as I've disputed, could I adopt potentially? Right. So for example, you're like, oh, well, evidence for and evidence against, there's some men are trustworthy. There's some that are not. How do I reconcile those two? Okay. And then in addition to exploration, um, you think about how would my life change if I decided to adopt a different one? Hmm. And that exploration is similar to the reflection part is really important to motivate us. If reflection before I was like, these core beliefs are really messing up my life. And then this one's like, huh, because a part of you is still going to want to hold on to those yes. old core beliefs. But if you explore to think, huh, how would my life change if I start being a little bit more open to some men, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I really want a relationship and I do want it. And I've seen people that have intimate relationships and I want that. So you start exploring the possible pros of adopting new core beliefs. Okay. No, that's really uh, an interesting way to think about it because I'd never thought about imagining mm -hmm. <laughs> actually what would this look like. Um, so for the for that exploration phase, just to make sure I understand that a little more fully. So of course, now we've kind of looked at um, the pros and cons in the disputing part, mm -hmm. but now we're starting to say, okay, what would a modified mm -hmm. core belief yeah. look like? Is that yeah. essentially what mm -hmm. we're asking ourselves? And how would it impact my life? Okay. And it's kind of like the final step of disputation, mm -hmm. right? Because there might be a part of you that still is holding on to the, you know, you know, evidence for of your old core belief. And so this kind of pushes you over the edge to say, okay, what would my life look like if I you know, believe that God is fair. How would that change? Would that change, you know, anything in my life? It's kind of like looking at your old core belief tree that you've created and say, huh, my, maybe I'll be less controlling because I believe that God is in control and he can be fair about these things. And just that imagination of how th life could be different sparks a, a desire to then take the next step of fully adopting it. So now that we've touched on this element of exploration, uh, what's, let's talk a little more about this final step in changing mm -hmm. our core beliefs. Yeah. So we need to plant a new tree. We need to adopt new core beliefs. And in that process, so you say, okay, well, what is a new belief that incorporates all of the data? Right? Okay. So not a positive core belief because people, that's why often they're afraid right. of like, oh, now I have to be open and, and, and trusting everybody. Uh -huh. right? And it's like, no, 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 please do not. Yeah, like right. that would be problematic in another extreme. But if you say, hmm, when I was doing that disputation, I realized that there's some people I can trust sometimes with some things. Like, you know, one friend I can trust with my secrets but I can't trust with my keys to my car. They're a horrible driver, right? And you're like, oh, this person I can trust with my keys to my car, but not my secrets. And so you need a new belief that incorporates both parts. And that's really important because that core belief is gonna be balanced, realistic, true, and that will help you to live and navigate life better. So the adoption has to be a balanced new belief with both um, sides of the evidence. Yeah. And, and, it, and it sounds like as you're putting that then into practice, you're going to, I'm sure it can be challenging at mm -hmm. first mm -hmm. to say the least, but how, how do you, cause you're, you're kind of like we talked about before, even when you're exploring, you're imagining mm -hmm. like, how would I actually adopt this and put it into practice? But now you're actually doing it. Mm -hmm. What are some of the 
pitfalls or issues that might come up uh, that would yeah help us to actually be to to be aware of so that we're successful. Yeah. So this process, just to kind of give people kind of an idea of how it works in therapy, this is after many, many sessions and you're okay. already working towards this. So for example, if you already started to change some behaviors, right, you're going to continue that process, but now with the new core belief that's feeding that. So um, a good way to solidify this core belief is making sure that your behaviors, your thoughts, and your emotions are now aligned with it. So for example, if you are trying to adopt the new belief, people are trustworthy, right? Or some people are trustworthy with some things, so forth. Then how do I set up my life in a way that feeds that new core belief? So um, if you have anyone in your life that is feeding the old core belief, you might need to set extra boundaries or mm -hmm. even that sometimes take them out of your soil. So one thing that I like to kind of mention in this phase, I tell people, you know, with planting, if you have a one plant next to another, the other plant impacts the pH of the soil. Mm -hmm. So you can't adopt a new core belief if you're still surrounded by other people who are feeding that old core belief. So a lot of people who are like, they, they experience trauma and they're actually, they still have people in their life that's still feeding that kind of trauma pattern and uh, unhealthy and toxic relationships. It's going to be really impossible um, to be able to establish that new core belief. So adoption is- Because <laughs> they're going to be keep reinforcing the old exactly. <laughs> negative belief. So if yeah. you think about from a neuroplasticity standpoint, right, you're still going on those old neuronal pathways. So in order to rewire your brain, you need a fresh start, mm -hmm. right? Now, there's some people that are able to set boundaries and, you know, and it's not their entire life. So you don't have to cut out everyone in your life, yeah. but it's making sure that they're not the primary source of this, you know, trying to adopt this new core belief. So it's people in your life, it's experiences. So an example of that, if you believe I'm not good enough and you're trying to establish I am good, sometimes God brings experiences of like, hey, you know, can you go and give that talk? And before you'd be like, no, I'm not good enough. Well, I don't fully believe it yet, but I need to feed that new core belief. Yeah. I am good enough by going yeah. and by showing that God will deliver me in that moment. Or um, I'm you know, having the new core belief that my future is hopeful, it's promising, like, and then something gets introduced to your life. You need to be conscious about how do I make sure that that new core belief is being fed by healthy behaviors, healthy relationships. But you notice before we've tried to do that to then improve our lives, but now it's to establish what now we believe intellectually. Yeah, and I love that because when we think about how our core beliefs were formed, they were formed not through intellectual mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, experiences, but through real life experiences mm -hmm. and relational experiences, et cetera. And so uh, even though intellectually you might understand, okay, now I see through going through the disputation and the exploration mm -hmm. that this is a more healthy belief, mm -hmm. but in our heart of hearts, we still don't believe it until we experience it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've heard some some people say, oftentimes the the longest distance in the world is between our head and our heart, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's not until we set the stage for those healthy core beliefs to be affirmed through reality, through our mm -hmm. experiences, that I think oftentimes our heart really heals and mm -hmm. believes it. Yeah. And I just want to, you know, address this one question that I often get with people who are very discouraged when they 
they realize their core beliefs. They say, you know, Katie, I've had this core belief or core beliefs for 50 years, 60 years. Does it mean I'm going to be in therapy for 50, 60 years? Does this mean it's going to take forever to address it? And I remember the first time someone asked me that question, I was like, wow, that's such a great question, right? And I just alluded part of the answer of neuroplasticity. Um, but another thing to remember is as a child, when, this, when these are formed, we don't have the frontal lobe developed enough to really discern the truth. What we're talking about is finding the truth about ourselves, the yeah. world, and so forth. And so we're a sponge. If someone tells a child you're green, right, and over and over again, a kid will believe they're green, <laughs> right? But as an adult, if someone tells me I'm green, I'm like, uh-oh, what's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> so what's encouraging is now as an adult, although they're like, I've wasted so many years and it's okay, like you, you didn't know. But now you know and you have the brain capability to be able to now establish those new beliefs. And what's fascinating about how CBT is formed is because you're already renewing your, your behaviors and your thoughts, your brain is now in a position to better receive the new truth. Mm -hmm. And that's why we need to do those other works, exercise and water and the choose life principles before we work on the core beliefs. And then the core beliefs then help us then continue and maintain those very same behaviors, thoughts, and emotions. Yeah, oh, that's beautiful how all those things work work together and how that healing can then be accelerated. And especially, you know, I see that when people are praying for God to be part of that whole process too. I mean, it's amazing how the Holy Spirit can come in and, and really help us, like you said, set the stage for you know those sorts of positive experiences to take place when we're ready for them to happen. Mm -hmm. And also I think really bringing that truth home to our hearts mm -hmm. and bringing that healing. And you know, as Jesus says, the truth indeed sets us yes. free. So, well, thank you so much, Katie, for sharing your wisdom on addressing core beliefs. Mm -hmm. And just to remind our listeners, it we have those five steps, identification, reflection, disputation, exploration, and then adoption. And uh, yes, it can take a lot of hard work, but it is well worth it because it really can bring so much healing and it can change the trajectory of our lives for the good. So, if you only take one thing away from today's show, remember this. If mental illness is a whole person problem, then it must have a whole person solution. I'm Dr. Daniel Vinus. And I'm Dr. Katie Elson, and you've been listening to The, the Brain, Brain People, People Podcast. Podcast. Thanks for listening. To hear more episodes, find us on social media, or support us financially, visit thebrainpeoplepodcast.com. 